listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. As you enter this difficult thing, I love a good heads up. So it makes me even think about um, before you go down a ski slope, maybe you see that black diamond emblem. One is a tip off, hey, this could be more difficult. And, and two, it's helpful when maybe someone has already told you, hey, as you go down the, the slope, maybe stay to the right side because it's less icy there. So one, you've know, you know this is difficult, but also you have a heads up on how to approach it. Or I think back to the first time I met our senior pastor, David Wilson. We were at a Denny's in uh, Fort Worth, very fancy, I know. And uh, he was telling me about Lubbock and about Southcrest. Uh, they were looking at hiring me as the middle school pastor. And he said, hey, I just want to give you a heads up. Occasionally, the sky turns brown in Lubbock. And I just want to say, like, he was not lying, right? Uh, so he, he gave me a heads up, but also he walked through. Uh, on those days, you maybe just, like, don't go outside as much or don't bother dusting because it'll take a while for the dust to settle in your house, right? So give me a heads up. This is going to be tough. And also, here's, here's what would be smart of you. Or if you're going to molecular biochemistry class, whatever that even means. Like, it's, well, you just know by the name of it, that's tough. But it's nice when you have a friend or a professor who's been there before who can say, hey, like, here's what's required of you if you're going to do well in this class. It's a good heads up. Or think about when you did premarital counseling. Hopefully you got to do that. You get a heads up that marriage is great, but also there's going to be some hard times. And here's some practical ways to navigate the difficulties of marriage. Or maybe you're going to try a new sport and you have a coach or a friend that says, hey, when you get tackled, it could possibly hurt. And here's how you navigate not getting tackled, right? Heads up is always appreciated. In 2 Timothy, our our book we've been walking through, So much of the book revolves around the theme of suffering, of hardship. And yes, just um, in life, but particularly he's talking, Paul's talking to Timothy about the suffering that comes with making disciples, with helping people to follow Jesus. So maybe a fair question you're asking me as you hear that, if like if making disciples also includes suffering. Why in the world would we do that? Why would we make disciples, help people follow Jesus if if it involves suffering? Well, two key verses I want to point out to you. The first one we're going to put on the screen is from Matthew chapter 28. And it says this, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Which by the way, when he says this, he just died and three days later rose again. If you die and three days later rise again, You can say this. He's the only one that can say this. All authority has been given to him. So what's his command to his followers after he's provided salvation? Now what is his command? What are they supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? He says, go therefore. So because he's in charge, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So your, you, you and I, the command we're to follow, our mission in life is to do what? Make disciples, yeah. And we saw this last week. We'll put it on the screen again. Second Timothy chapter two, uh, verse two says this. 
What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So the, the idea is to pass on what God has done in your life, what you've learned of him, the, the gospel that you've heard from the scriptures that you've been taught, you pass that on to other people. That's what we're to be about. If you know Jesus, making disciples is what you're supposed to do. So whether you are a banker, whether you work at the Market Street drive-through and you give me my burrito on Sunday mornings, God bless you, Mr. Brian. <laughs> whether you are a plumber, whether you are a marketing director, whether you are a graphic designer, whether you are in a sorority, whether you, whether if you are in a math class on Tuesday, whatever you do, whatever your title may be, you're supposed to make disciples. That's what your life is to be about. So my life is to be about. And maybe you're like, Brandon, um, I still don't really know what making disciples is. Like we say that word at church a lot. I read it in the Bible. What does that mean to make disciples? Really important, because if you don't get that, then today's sermon doesn't really matter because that's, that's the foundation. To make disciples is this. It's to invite and invest in people so that they know and grow in Jesus. So you're inviting people to know Jesus and then you're investing in them so that they grow in Jesus. That's what discipleship is about. It doesn't have to be this formulaic uh, 12-week process. While that's great, ultimately, it's what our entire life is to be about and it's to invite people to know Jesus and to invest in them so that they grow in Jesus. And here's the, here's the reality. Every single encounter you have is an opportunity to invest in people and to invite them to, or I said it backwards, to invite them to Jesus and to invest in them so that they grow in Jesus. That's what our lives are to be about, making disciples in every opportunity we can find ourselves. And in today's text in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Verse two, he's going to give us a heads up. Paul gives us a heads up that as you go about making disciples, this is what you're supposed to do as a believer. It's gonna be difficult, but here's what you have to do. And you could say it this way. The question that Paul helps us answer today is this. What is required to make disciples? That's what my life is to be about. That's what your life is to be about so what is required? What is necessary to do that? He's already, we know it's difficult. I mean, Paul's in prison. So there's already these hardships, but specifically, what is it about discipleship? What is it about inviting people and investing people to grow in Jesus? What is it about that that is difficult? And Paul gives us three different metaphors in the text today. All of them relate to suffering and hardship, but specifically, he tells us, hey, there's something about this that shows you what is required to make disciples. He's gonna give us a good heads up. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse three, he says this, share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of a, excuse me, of a civil, of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. So let's unpack a few things that are going on here. It's the idea of a, of a 
soldier and them serving. This is present tense. This is someone who is on active duty. This is someone who is currently serving. They're, they know they're in a battle. They know they're at war. So they're not on leave. They're not on vacation. No, they know they're in a battle. It's present tense. They are serving. He says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled. So entangled, this is, doesn't jump off the pages in English, but it's passive. So it's not that this soldier is going out and actively getting entangled, getting bound up, getting, getting tied up. No, it's that if they're not careful, what can happen is you can get entangled. You can get caught up. So if you're not trying to fight off entanglement, what happens is it'll kind of naturally entangle itself around you. And what is it that entangles this soldier? He says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. So, so this active duty soldier, this one who's focusing on the battle, who's going to war, they don't let themselves get entangled by the concerns of civilian life. So he's saying they don't let themselves get caught up with the things that are not, like these things aren't bad, they're just the matters of civilian life. So maybe say it this way if you're not tracking with that. It's hard to be in a firefight like with machine guns while also being on a FaceTime call with your mom, right? Like FaceTiming your mom is great. That's awesome. But it's hard to simultaneously do that and fire a weapon, unless you're like Jason Bourne or something, right? Like it's difficult. It's hard to sneak behind enemy lines in the, in the dark of night while also working on your golf swing. Like, there's nothing wrong with golf. It's great. I mean, I don't like it, but it's great. But it's a civilian concern. You, you can't do that and do well at sneaking behind enemy lines. It's hard to um, put someone in an arm bar while also ordering on your Amazon Prime account on your phone, right? Like, you can't be entangled in the concerns of civilian life. Again, these things aren't bad, but you can't be entangled with those and carry out your battle. It, it, it doesn't work. It's not going to work. So what, what is he saying? Uh, clearly, we get this idea of, okay, soldier and like, yeah, we're on a battle, we're on a mission. But specifically, here's what he's saying about discipleship. It's this. Making disciples requires focus. It requires focus. If you're going to help people know and grow in Jesus, if you're gonna invite them to Jesus, if you're gonna invest in them so that they do grow in Jesus, it requires a single-minded intent, single-minded purpose, a focus of this is my goal in life. I can't be distracted by all the trappings of the world and invite people and invest in them to know Jesus because I can't do both at the same time. It requires focus. But why is that so important for us today? It's because the enemy loves to lull us into sleep so that we forget there is a battle going on. If you know Jesus, you're to have a soldier's mindset that, you know what, every day is an opportunity to push forward the kingdom of God by making disciples. So either you're like, hey, I'm active duty, I'm going at it, or like we have this mindset, ah, I'm on vacation, I'll get to that later. There's no get to it later in the Christian life. We're to be on duty making disciples. I think another reason this is so vitally important for us, him pointing out the requirement of focus in making disciples, because I don't know if there's ever been a culture 
than the culture we live in today in America that has so many distractions just begging for our attention, right? There's so many things that want to pull our focus, pull our single-mindedness away from making disciples and just distract away our time. Like even right now, which I can't see anybody doing this, the way to go, guys. But like even right now, you have that phone in your pocket or maybe you're taking notes on it and it's calling out to you, my precious, right? Like, like to, to, to be distracted. We can be distracted by having the perfect look or we have to have the new latest and greatest gadget or toy. And like, toys aren't just for kids, right? What is that? It reminds me of a breakfast commercial. Anyway, sorry, focus. Um, like, even as adults, we're, we're bombarded with the latest and greatest toy we can have. They just get more expensive and more dangerous as you get older, right? We're distracted by trying to, to become popular or, or seen or noticed by what we do on social media. Just to name a few, we could go on. Distractions are endless. And he's saying, hey, if you're going to make disciples, it requires that you stay focused. I don't have to give you a metaphor this morning because he already gave it to us. It's the picture of a soldier who's intent on his mission, on his objective. So I think a natural question is, how do I, how do, I do that? If, if making disciples, helping people follow Jesus as I follow him, requires focus, how do I do that? How do I stay focused? Give me a few things I think that could look like. There's more, but just a few to give you real quick. One, pray for people and the mission daily. Pray, so pray for the people that you may encounter. Pray for the people you already are discipling. Pray for them. Pray for their discipleship, their relationship with Christ daily. To use that, the soldier metaphor, this is a way to keep the objective in front of you. Like most of the time when I drift on the mission of making disciples, I can relate it to the fact that I've just not been praying about it. Maybe I'm praying for someone who's sick or for someone, their job opportunity. Those are great things. But when I quit praying for their discipleship opportunities, I quit living it out because I've lost the objective. I've, I've had experienced mission drift. A second way I think you can stay focused on making disciples is, I already kind of referenced this, but spend less time on your phone and more time in the word. Less time on your phone, more time in the word. If you stay ready, you don't gotta get ready. Yeah, if you stay ready, you don't gotta get ready. Like think about a soldier, if the commanding officer comes in, it's like, hey, there's a battle right now going in, like grab your gear, let's go. That's not the time to be like, oh man, like, where's my uniform? And I don't know, can you guys show me how to fire this weapon? I've never looked at it. Like, it's too late. If you stay ready, you stay in the word, you stay read up, then you're ready for the battle. You're ready for the mission of making disciples. One more I'll give you in how to stay focused is this. Make room on your calendar. Make room on your calendar. It's hard to make disciples if you don't make time for it. To, to use again the, the military metaphor, precision requires space. What I mean is, think about like a sniper, if they're, they're locked in on a target and man, they're accounting for the wind and the, uh, the curvature of the earth and they're, they're locked in, it's hard to stay focused and hit your target if people are all crowded you and bumping around you, right? Like, give me some space. I often, that's why a sniper might be 
by himself, plus the person, I don't know what it's called, but the person who's got the binoculars and who's looking for them, they're not always with a big group because they need some space to be effective, to be precise. If you're gonna be effective in making disciples, you're gonna hit your target of helping people know and grow in Jesus, you've got to put it on the calendar. As a, as a family of, of two young little ones, I, mean, I get it's difficult. It is hard to create space for relationships where you're intentionally inviting people and investing people to know Jesus. But if we're gonna accomplish our mission, you gotta make room for it. Like, could you imagine getting to heaven? Like, and the Lord's like, man, you know what? I, I'm, I love you. I'm glad you're here. You're saved. But I wish you would have been busier making disciples. And like, Lord, I was just so busy. You should have seen my calendar. <laughs> like, I don't want to have to tell him that. You know, make disciples. It requires focus. All right, so that's the soldier. What's the next metaphor? It's the athlete. Look at what he says in verse five. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So let's, let's think about this. It's the competitive athlete, he says. So this is someone who is training rigorously. They're, they're training, they're dedicated to their training. And as uh, Mr. Pittman here in town says, they're training on a schedule. They're, they're in a rhythm. So it's not just haphazardly, occasionally training. You know, this, this is a competitive athlete who's putting in the work, who's putting in the sweat, and they're being intentional. They're, they're, they're sticking to a regimen. It says the competitive athlete, um, if anyone competes as an athlete, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So he kind of gives this and or. So it's the person who's working hard, they're putting in, the effort, they're putting in the sweat, they're sticking to their game plan. But if they don't compete according to the rules, then all that blood, sweat, and tears may come at a loss. So if you can work really hard, but if you take all the air out of the footballs, deflate gate, not to call any names, <laughs> man, it, it, it renders you more ineffective in the long run. If you Work really hard, but then decide on the day of the race to, oh, you know what, it's a big cross-country race. They won't know if I just cut, take this little shortcut through the woods. In the end, you, you don't get the crown. It renders you ineffective. If you decide to use performance-enhancing drugs, it may make you look good in the moment, but in the, in the end, the reality is you, you don't win. You don't get the crown because you've not competed according to the rules. So we get a competitive athlete. There's suffering that. There's hardship of working hard. There's blood, sweat, and tears. But, but what, how is he relating that to discipleship and what's required? What, and bringing up the rules, I think here's what he's saying. It's this. Making disciples, our second point, making disciples requires integrity. Requires integrity. What's not fun about, like, why is that suffering hardship? Because doing the, hard, excuse me, doing the right thing is often the hard thing, right? Because more and more in today's society, no one else is doing the right thing. Less and less people are actively trying to live out the morality of Jesus and follow him, which how different would the role be if people actually lived the ethic of Jesus? He says, if you're gonna make disciples, you've got to have integrity. 
You, you've got to choose to, to, to not give in to gossip, to not give in to jealousy, to not give in to sexual impurity. You've got to choose to, to have integrity. And why that's so important for today's world is more and more we want to separate spirituality from morality. It's a problem we have, right? Of like everyone, most people in today's world, they like the idea of being spiritual. Like if you ask someone, are you spiritual? I've been, I should have looked at the stats on this, but I would be willing to bet. Most people would say, yeah, I'm spiritual. But if you say, how does that affect your morality? They're gonna be like, what do you mean? There's a disconnect for some reason between spirituality and morality. But Jesus said in John 14, verse 15, John 14, 15, he said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. So love for Jesus cannot be divorced from following Jesus and obeying Jesus. If you are gonna make disciples, you have to have integrity. And by the way, who's going to want to follow you as you follow Jesus if you're not actually following Jesus in the way you live? I was talking about this with my buddy earlier this week. Well, well, Austin is his name, Austin Dameron. Shout out, Austin. (laughs) We were talking about like, Paul was not a scrub to use uh, the theologian Austin's words, right? What do we mean by that? Paul was devoted to following Jesus. He was intently pursuing integrity. He wasn't just haphazardly living his life, and I guess people will follow me and listen to me. No, he was pursuing Jesus, and he lived the kind of life that people wanted to emulate. He lived the kind of life after Jesus that as he invited people to follow Jesus and he invested in them to grow in Jesus, they were like, man, that guy's different. I wanna live a life like that. Making disciples requires integrity. Gotta put in the work ethic and play according to the rules, which are right here. So how do I do that? How do, if it, making disciples, helping people know and grow in Jesus, that requires integrity, how do I do that? What does that look like? Well, one, I just kind of referenced it. You've got to know God's word. Psalm 11911 says, how can I keep my way pure? By guarding it according to your word. You, you wanna walk in integrity? You wanna live a life that brings joy to the heart of God? It starts with knowing the word of God. You can't live it if you don't know it. That's why you've heard us say over and over again this, semester, or this year, uh, read, love, live. It's hard to live God's word if you don't love God's word. And it's hard to love God's word if you don't read God's word. As you read it and love it and live it, you begin to be able to have integrity. Another way you can walk in integrity is to have real accountability. Real accountability. Why do I say real? Isn't that silly? As a, like, Who wants fake accountability? I say real accountability because I think a lot of us, we have fake accountability. Fake accountability is when you meet with a group or a, a brother or sister in Christ which is on that note, guys, you should meet with guys. Girls, you should meet with girls. Don't tempt yourself unnecessarily. But fake accountability is when you meet together and you say, yeah, I've been struggling with this sin. And then the next week you come back together and you're like, yeah, I'm still struggling with that sin. And there's no active real plan to actually grow in Christ-likeness. That's not real accountability. That's just a group to make you feel better about your problems. And like, and like I want encouragement. I want someone to, yeah, I like to feel good. But you need real accountability. People are gonna help you progress in your walk with Christ. Seek out real accountability, not just a group that makes you feel good. 
Seek out a, a group, a friendship where someone's gonna say, man, you've been talking about that over and over again. Like, are you actually pursuing Christ? What are you doing this week to, to grow in him? Real accountability. One more. Pray for a posture of submission. So as we seek to walk in integrity, I think a third thing you can do is pray for a posture of submission. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe Paul here is not saying that you have to be sinless to make disciples. Because that was true, then Jesus would be the only person who ever made disciples. The only sinless one. He's not saying you have to be sinless, but you have to be submitted. See, a posture of submission is Jesus, I want your way, not my way. Lord, I have these, these sins, these, these temptations pulling on me, but Jesus, I'm submitted to your way even when everything in me is screaming to go the other way. Pray for a posture of submission because making disciples requires integrity. So we've seen the soldier, we've seen the athlete. I told you there were three metaphors. One more is the farmer. He says this in verse six. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. So kind of quick there, but he gives us a picture. The hardworking farmer. So let's, let's dodge our... Uh, Dissect this a little bit. So hard working. This is a person who's putting in some grit. They're putting in some faithfulness. Farming's hard work, right? They're putting in sweat. They're getting after it day in, day out. It's not just they're hardworking specifically. It's the hardworking farmer. I don't want to offend anybody in here, but typically farmers, like we think of a farmer, it's not a glamorous job. Is that, is, that, is that okay to say? Like farming is not, like I don't know many famous farmers besides maybe the beet farmer Dwight Schrute, but the, the, there's not a lot of famous farmers, not because farmers, farming is not important or a noble job, but it's because it, it, it's just not glamorous. Sweaty, it's dirty, it's hard work. Terribly hard work. It's not noticed. What's he saying? Yes, discipleship is hard. It's this. Making disciples requires hard work. <laughs> Simple. Just like the farmer, making disciples requires hard work. Don't you feel encouraged this morning? <laughs> Why do we need to know that? It's because we don't like hard work and we assume if something is difficult, then it must not be worth doing. <laughs> That's a lie. Or we think, well, this is difficult, so, so maybe this isn't from God. Do you know that when, when Moses, God co commissioned Moses to lead his people out of Egypt and the, when he went to Pharaoh, before they got freed, it just got more difficult. Remember, they took away uh, some of their supplies to make it harder to make bricks. And like, Moses, this was easier before you got here. Before we started doing things God's way, this was easier. When you do things God's way, it doesn't always make it easy. Sometimes it makes it more difficult. We, we've got to wake up to that reality. I think another reason this is so important and, and why the Lord uses this metaphor of the hardworking farmer is because certainly in our day, we are all drawn to fame and no, notoriety. We, we all have this like, maybe it's not um, explicitly driving your thought process, but somewhere in our gut, most of us has, have this idea that maybe I'll, I'll be famous somehow. I'll be an influencer, right? Like, and he says, you know what? 
That's not what discipleship is about. Discipleship is hard work. It's like farming. It's slow. It's long. It's dirty. It's sweaty. And most of the time, people eat the fruit of your work and they don't even know your name. That's what discipleship is like. It's hard work. So how do you, making disciples requires hard work. How do I begin to put that in besides just pull myself up by my bootstraps and getting after it? A few things I would give you. First of all, embrace reality. What I mean is, this is a mindset. So I'm just, I know I'm kind of repeating myself here, but it's just embracing that this is difficult. Like, I think me included, we've done a disservice in churches sometimes. Like, yeah, make disciples, this is awesome. And we can make it seem like this, this glorious occasion, but the reality is, it's slow, dirty work. <laughs> Sweaty work. So embrace that. That's just what it is. It's a slow process. Another thing I would say if we're gonna dig into the hard work is make a plan. Work smarter, not harder. You gotta make a plan. So if you're like, I'm gonna make disciples, but do you have no um, thought process behind it? You're gonna feel like you're spinning your tires and it's, it's gonna be very frustrating. You gotta make a plan. One other thing I would tell you if you're gonna dig into the hard work is make progress when you can. Make progress when you can. So this would be true, I would say, really any profession, but certainly in farming too. Like you, you can't just wait for the weather to be perfect to go out and do the farming. If you wait for the perfect, like yesterday was beautiful, right? Yesterday was amazing, 70 degrees. Like we actually tried to fly kites yesterday and it wasn't windy enough to do it. Like, I was like, where are we? <laughs> How is this even possible? And of course we picked the one day that wasn't windy. But nonetheless, I digress. I totally lost my train of thought. What was I talking about? <laughs> I really did. Make progress when you can. Thank you. Yes, yes. If you wait for the perfect opportunity, it's good to have notes. If you, make, if you only make progress when the, when the opportunity, when the environment is perfect, you're never going to make progress. So look for each and every opportunity, every encounter that the Lord opens, even a little door to make progress in discipleship. Like this just came to mind. It's not in my notes. But driving to, uh, taking the kids to, to school the other day. We were going over the Marsha Sharp. It was pretty early, 7, 10 or something like that. And we're listening to a worship song and uh, Caroline, takes, our, our daughter, five-year-old daughter, said, what's a miracle? And I, I just tried to keep it simple. Uh, I just said, hey, it's, uh, it's when God does something awesome that we can't do. By the way, so you don't miss like time out. That question came in the context of crying and arguing and things like that. Y'all tracking with me? Like, it wasn't like we'd been had, it wasn't like we'd had an hour-long devotional that morning. Like, no, there had been crying and fussing and even probably a spanking that morning. Like, it was not great. But all of a sudden, she asked, what's a miracle? All right, there's an opportunity. It's a small window, but there's an opportunity. So I said, hey, it's when God does something amazing that we can't do. It's just awesome. And with no cue for me, she pointed at the sunrise and said, is that a miracle? Yeah, I think it is. And then we talked about, Bluey or something like that, right? Like, like, moment over. But there was a small window, and you got to take those moments. And that, that's a, a parenting metaphor, but like our example. But all of us have those little moments with your friends or your coworkers or your kids where that window opens. You better walk through it because the weather's not always perfect. Do the farming, do the work when you can. Now, 
as, as you think about, okay, it requires focus, requires integrity, it requires hard work. It can feel like, man, like that, that's, that's daunting. That, that's, that's a lot. I would say you're right. That's why there's a fourth point. I know you're like, what? There's only three points on my handout. There's a fourth point that really, if, if I'm you, I would take a circle and draw a circle around all three points. And it goes back to verse one of chapter two. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. All that we're talking about really in chapter two, I would say, is built on the foundation that you can't do anything if you don't find your strength in the grace of Jesus Christ. Like nothing in this Christian life will be possible, will be attainable. You can't make disciples if you don't first start with being, being strengthened, again, passive, receiving the strength that comes through the grace of Jesus Christ. This is not a do-it-yourself project. No, you ride on the wind, the power, the waves of the grace of Jesus Christ. So what's the fourth point? What is required of if you're gonna make disciples, it's this, you've got to rely on Jesus. I know it's not in your notes, but you, you, you got this. You can write that, okay? You've got to rely on Jesus. It's the only way it's possible. Well, then if you say, well, man, okay, like, sheesh, this is, they're suffering, it's hard, I gotta have integrity, I gotta have focus, I gotta work hard, I, I gotta rely on Jesus. Like, is it even worth putting in the effort? Is it worth doing all this if it's so difficult, there's so much effort required and so much suffering involved, is it even worth doing it? And I would say a resounding, absolutely yes. Did you notice that in every metaphor that Paul gave of what's required for making disciples, he also right along with it beside it gave a promise. Like for example, in chapter, excuse me, in verse four, it says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of a civilian, of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. What's the promise? As you are focused on making disciples, the promise is that when you stand before you, your creator, when you stand before Jesus, you will hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I wanna hear those words, don't you? Man, that's why it's worth it. And then for the athlete, he says, if anyone competes as an athlete, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So as I walk with integrity, not per perfection, but as I've submitted to the Lord in my character, the promise is the crown of eternal life. And this what he references over in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8, he says, I fought the good fight. I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. There's reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. There's eternal reward when you walk in integrity. We do so many things for so many foolish, not lasting, trivial rewards on this earth. And he said, hey, there's an eternal reward for you Man, pursuing Jesus, walking in his strength, making disciples as you walk in integrity. So, man, one, there's pleasing Jesus, there's the reward, and then the hardworking farmer gets a share of the crops. What's he saying? When you put in the hard work, what's the reward? You get to see some of the fruit. Moms, dads, brothers, sisters, sisters, 
Isn't it so satisfying when a loved one, when a friend, when a coworker, when a sibling, when your son or your daughter chooses to trust in Jesus? There's nothing like it, amen? Like, that's what this is about. You get to see the fruit of your labor. Like, man, that's why I love when we see people get uh, baptized. Man, that's why it's appropriate to, to shout and scream and to clap because someone went from death to life and they're now spending eternity in heaven because of Jesus. And we get to be a part of that work as we make disciples. So listen, making disciples is work, but it is worth it. It's the, if I could just sum up the whole big idea of this text, it's that. Making disciples is work, but it is absolutely worth it. 100% worth it. I love how Paul ends this section in verse seven. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So I want us to, to close today by doing that. Consider what I say, and the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So one, he's saying, man, I could like spend so much on that because I love that verse, but I won't. Um, He's saying, understanding the Bible, understanding scripture is two things. It's considering, it's, it's analyzing, it's looking deeply at what is said in the text. So it's you taking your Bible, using your brain, thinking about it. But you do that, and then what happens is, so as you put in some effort, the Lord actually is the one who illuminates, right? It says, the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So you're putting in some sweat and some some work in understanding it, but ultimately you're dependent on the Lord to help you understand God's word. I think that's a really cool picture of making disciples, that you, you put in work, you put in effort, but ultimately... It's the Lord who changes people's lives and it's his grace that empowers you and enables you to make disciples. Go tracking? But I wanna do what he's saying right now. Consider what God's saying and let the Lord speak to us. I wanna give you four questions to consider that I'm trusting the Lord will, will help give you understanding this morning. First question, we'll put them on the screen. It's this. What is the biggest hindrance to you making disciples? Is it distraction? Is it sin? Or is it laziness? So in other words, which image did you need the most this morning? Like which image, man, we need all of them, but which image it maybe resonated with you this morning or maybe you pushed back against because you don't like it. Which one is the biggest hindrance to you making disciples? Second question I want you to consider is this. Do you lean towards self-reliance or self-pity? So self-reliance is, let's back up for a second. Verse one, all of this is only possible through the grace of Christ empowering us. So we need to think, which spectrum do we tend to fall to? Do you lean toward self-reliance? Like, man, I got this. I want to put in the, the hard work, the sweat and the tears. I can do this and forget that you can't do anything apart from Christ. That he's the vine, you're just the branches, <laughs> And because that you need to come this morning and just like, Lord, would you humble me? Help me to remember, gosh, I'm dependent on you. I I, I tend toward self-reliance, thinking I got it together. And y'all, I I need Jesus to work in me. Maybe you are, uh, one's not better than the other. Maybe you're on the other side of the spectrum and you tend toward self-pity. You're like, man, 
I can't make disciples. I don't know the Bible. I got saved late in life. I made too many mistakes. God can't use me. It's not about you, bro. It's about Jesus in and through you. Or girl, not just bros. (laughs) So don't choose self-pity. No, choose to trust Jesus to work in and through you. A third question I wanna ask you as we're considering what we've seen in the text is this. Who can you help know and grow in Jesus this week? I would encourage you, write their name down. Who can you help know and grow in Jesus this week? So maybe it's inviting them to become a Christian or investing in them to grow in Jesus. Write their name down. And then the next step, you don't have to do this now, the next step would be to think like, what's my plan for engagement? Maybe it's just praying that God will open a door, whatever it may be. What's their name? What's your plan? Last question I'm gonna give you. Is your apathy driven by a loss of all? A-W-E. Is your apathy driven by a loss of all? Man, the majority of the time when when we're not intent about making disciples, when we've become apathetic, it's because we've lost sight of how glorious, how majestic, how satisfying, how wonderful Jesus is. And making disciples really starts with you just getting a fresh, when I say fresh, I don't mean new, but a refreshment of just your eyes fixed on Jesus. And oh yes, that's who Jesus is. When you see him as bigger and better than anything the world has to offer, you will be more inclined to make disciples because you realize that he's what it's about. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 